It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. There was a basketball game this past weekend, and the A&M Aggies basketball team is moving on to 2-1 in conference play after getting that 19-point victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores. We're going to be breaking down that, some news revolving around recruiting, and some news revolving around the NFL. Before we begin, we're just going to do some quick housekeeping stuff. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies. That is your number one site to check out all things dealing with AM from the podcast. Make sure you're also following us at Aggies SI. Remember, Aggie Maven of Sports Illustrated and Locked On Aggies have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas AM. You can check that out at si.com slash TAMU. And if you want to follow me on social media, it's really simple. My name is at Mr. Cole Thompson. I'm Mr. I'm Cole Thompson. That's my name. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Locked On Aggies, and at Aggies SI. For those of you wondering why maybe I sound a little different this week, uh, it's because of that's why I wasn't on last week. I had the rigorous flu that has been engulfing the United States over the past month. And because of that, I have been dealing with a lot of sickness. I've lost a lot of weight. I have also, still you can hear it in my voice, I'm not 100% back, but I am no longer contagious and I am able to return to the podcast and start making some content. So I just want to let you guys know, Lockdown Aggies is still around. I apologize for being gone. Uh, Unfortunately, this is part of the job that just comes with it the way you can't control. Sickness is a part of life and unfortunately it hit me at the wrong time, but I am back and I will be doing everything I can to not miss another show in the coming time. Speaking of missing, most of the season A&M has missed the target when it's talking about the men's basketball program. They were shooting a low 14th of 14 in the SEC of 41% of field goals. They weren't getting anything down the three-point range. They were allowing 57 points per game. And because of that, they looked like one of the struggling teams of the SEC. But this past weekend, they were able to go ahead and get a victory on the road at Memorial Gymnasium in Nashville, Tennessee against Jerry Stackhouse and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Without the likes of Aaron Neesmith, the Aggies were able to get a 69-50 victory in Memorial Gymnasium led by freshman guard, really should be a forward, Andre Gordon. Uh, The freshman finished with 15 points, one three-pointer uh, he made uh, two field go- uh, six field goals and both of his free throws. He played also the most minutes behind Savion Flag. He had 26 minutes. Also, Emmanuel Miller finished with 12 points. He had three three-pointers, played a total of 18 minutes the Canadian. This was a game that seemed out of place early without their leading scorer and without the SEC leading scorer, who now is out indefinitely with a stress fracture in his foot. A&M was able to get the 19-point victory. They led as high as 31 points in the second half. It was only when Josh Nebo and Gordon and Flag left the court, they were really able to start making a noise about themselves for what they were able to do 
on the court for Vanderbilt. They didn't really have anybody score that much for them. It really was overall just a game that was in favor of A&M from the start. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Echika, Biba, and uh, Maxwell Evans for Vanderbilt were the only two who scored double-digit points. They had each 12 points. Scottie Pippen had uh, had nine points. Uh, yeah, the son of Scottie Pippen, the famous basketball player for Michael Jordan. You look at this team, and this was an all-A&M game. And that's a good thing, but it also, I think, needs to be announced that you got to reel it back just a little bit. This is nothing against A&M. A&M has done a fantastic job of prepping under Buzz Williams. I think that needs to be very apparent right now that when you look at this team and where they're sitting right now, 8-6, and six, they are 2-1 and one in conference play. They have the momentum. There's a lot of players who continue to make noise. But you look at this team and they're not at that level yet of, wow, we're a true contender in the SEC. Vanderbilt possibly could have made this game interesting if Neesmith played. Unfortunately, without the SEC leading scorer, it felt like this was AM's chance to pick up points. You can't take anything away from AM because if they shot over 38% of their shots. I mean, and they held they held Vanderbilt to 38% of their shots, and they did a very good job containing the Commodores players to minimal shots and rushing plays. But I don't think when you look at this team, they're at the same level of everyone else yet. Yes, it was a very good game by the offense. Highest scoring percentage of this season. They were consistently finding ways to win. They were making shots behind the arc. They were not rushing. They were playing small ball offense. Exactly what Buzz Williams wants this team to do. But you take out Neesmith, how good is this Vanderbilt team? Maybe they're a just below 500 team. They're not a they're not a you know tournament team. They're definitely not that. I don't think right now, besides Gonzaga, AM has played a tournament team. Texas, maybe, and that's a big maybe in the way that they're gonna play. But they didn't look that promising so far this season. So I wouldn't be sold that this team is at that same level. But then you also have to look at where the rest of this AM offense is and the schedule that they have coming up. And that might give you a better picture for what to expect. I mean, this upcoming week, they're going to be facing off against LSU. Then they face South Carolina. Missouri, Oklahoma State, and then they close the month out with Tennessee in Knoxville. Tennessee and LSU look like teams that are going to be going to the tournament. Now, if they start making noise against them, maybe maybe even close losses, they're going to be looked at as a serious contender for possibly making a run in the first year under Williams. But right now... I wouldn't buy that much into what they did against Vanderbilt. Good game. You got a lot of promise with Andre Gordon. He is a star player. Josh Nebo had another great game. He was great in the paint. Great blocking. Great rebounding. 
you have pieces to build around, but I don't think they're just there yet. Speaking of just there yet, there are 13 Aggies now on campus making their mark in spring ball from the 2020 recruiting class, but the recruiting class is not over. There's still rumors of one player joining the squad, and we'll be breaking that down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, if you are not listening to the great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, what are you doing? We have over two dozen excellent college football podcasts ready for your listening ears. You can go check all that out along with great MLB coverage, along with great coverage for the NFL, NHL, and NBA all at LockedOnPodcast.com. As we mentioned before the break, 13 Aggies made their mark this upcoming week with starting school at Texas A&M. School is back in session up at College Station, which means players from the 2020 class are officially joining the staff, and 13 of the 23 recruits right now are on campus. We already know that there were guys that were going to be making their mark early, But 13 is a brand new number for Jimbo Fisher. The most he's ever had on campus early is six. And before we go into our main subject, let's just talk about that for a second. When you have 13 players coming to campus early, and I'll go this, two of them are going to be stars, in my personal opinion, and Musa Muhammad Jr. and Jalen Jones, both at position of needs. Cornerback is now, I think, a big position that you need to address for the future, especially with Devin Renfro declaring for the draft. And wide receiver is just as big because you lost Courtney Davis and you also lost Kendrick Rogers. You lose both those players. Now you have a chance to replace them and get the production and get them used to the system super quick. The offensive line has been in struggle for a while. This is an area where I think, okay, let's look at this. You have players, I think you have a total of four of the six offensive linemen you sign on campus. Maybe one of them can beat out one of the veterans. Maybe that's the case. But no matter what, they're going to learn because they're there on campus early. A&M is in a very good spot because they have so many recruits already there. that are going into the system before summer ball kicks off. And even without like five-star Damon Damas, who's not there yet, they're going to be in good hands with the guys who are there because there's so many talented players already on campus. It's hard to imagine this team not taking the proper jumps in the offseason. Speaking of jumps, though, there is one player who could be jumping into Texas A&M's backfield, and that is five-star running back out of North Shore, Zach Evans. According to reports, he was originally expected to declare for the University of Georgia, but due to his announcement for going further subject, and of course also there was rumors of him possibly taking money from the school, Georgia released his letter of intent, and now he is able to re-sign anywhere. A&M and LSU, according to uh, multiple people, are expected to be the top two teams to actually go after his skills. And when you look at A&M, they need Evans. I don't think there's another way to ask that, Besides, they need Evans. They, you look at their backfield. 
And they lost Isaiah Spiller to Florida State. They lost an Eric Prince to transfer. Jacob Cabote to transfer. I mean, you look at how depleted that backfield is. You have Cordarian Richardson. And you don't even know if he's going to play next year. Yeah, you have Devin Anchi and you have Vernon Jackson. But neither one of them are expected to be at that level of Evans. Isaiah Spiller is your lead back, and he showed a ton of promise and potential during his rookie year. His freshman campaign, you could not ask for better. Just shy of 1,000 yards, double-digit touchdowns, four 100 rushing yard games. I believe he had a total of 200-plus receiving yards. You can't ask for that much better. He did his job. But there's not a true second back to back him up right now. Acme and Jackson are not getting there until fall camp. You could make men's by getting Evans, getting him signed, sending him the playbook, letting him start to learn, and figuring it out. And maybe you got to redshirt him. Maybe that's what you have to do to get him there. Maybe he is academically ineligible for a year. Okay, that's, that's just part of the deal. A talent like his, a guy who rushed for over 5,000 yards in two seasons. You want that in your backfield. That is an SEC back and that is a game-changing back. And especially with how Kellen Mond looked at times this season. You need a secondary player in that backfield just to mix things up. Because eventually... Any good offense can thrive with a running back. But an excellent offense has two running backs who both are so different and bring so much unity to the table. It adds an extra element to the game. Stopping Kellen Mond is going to be one thing for our defensive coordinators next year. You're also going to have to stop Isaiah Spiller. You're not going to ask him to rush 40 yards, 40 carries a game. You can't. That's just not impossible. That's impossible to do. Especially at the collegiate level. And that's dangerous to do. That much workload for a guy? No. What you could do is you could have him rush for 20 carries a game, have Evans do 15, and Acne do 15, And then you worry about Kellen Mond, kind of how we've seen the Tennessee Titans, who we're going to talk about a little later, do with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, the production's not going to be there in the passing game. So what? Tennessee's now two-game winning winning streak in the playoffs because of what they're doing. They're playing small ball. A guy like Evans is a small ball character who's a do-it-all playmaker. You'll have your speed guy in acne, You'll have your workhorse and your main guy in Spiller. And you'll have your chains of pace, kind of do it all, little mix, receiving, running, everything, and Evans. If you do all of that right, AM is going to be considered a favorite. They have to be. Because if they're bringing back a veteran quarterback, a veteran defense, and they're getting one of the best playmakers in, in the college football era coming up. I don't see how that's a loss. 
Speaking of losses, guess what? Tennessee will not be going home just yet. They still have one more playoff game at least and a chance to hoist the Lombardi Trophy next month down in South Beach because of a former AM player. And we'll be discussing that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Paul Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, just remember if you're following us on social media, it's really simple. It's at Locked On Aggies, at Aggies SI, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow all three of those sites for excellent content surrounding all things Texas A&M. And check out all of our great podcasts at the Locked On Podcast Network at LockedOnPodcast.com. This past weekend, the Tennessee Titans geared up for a playoff game at MTNT Stadium where they would take on the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens. Now, the reason we're talking about the Tennessee Titans isn't because of this is a Titans podcast. If you want to check that out, go check out Locked on Titans. It's because of a former AM player, Ryan Tannehill, was named the starting quarterback in Week 6. And with it being a slow season with basketball only having two days a week, Football really kind of being on the back burners. We thought we'd bring in the NFL just a little bit. And once again, all season long, Ryan Tannehill, a guy who went from quarterback to wide receiver back to quarterback in College Station, was considered an injury liability in Miami. Got his chance to reinvent himself, in a sense of the word, in the Music City, and has done just that. He took his team 7-3 through the regular season. He secured the number 6 seed in the playoffs. And he now has his team one win away from, from representing the American Football Conference in the Super Bowl in his former backyard of the Miami Garden Center down in Miami, Florida. This past weekend against Baltimore, he would throw for under 100 yards. He only threw 88 yards Two touchdowns, one a 12-yard beautiful sideline grab from Johnny Smith at the back of the end zone. Toe-tapping play that would lead to seven points and a 45-yard bomb, his longest throw of the day to Khalif Raymond to make it 14-0. Of course, the team relied on the run game of former Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry. He rushed for 195 yards, and he would throw a jump pass touchdown a three-yard pass to Corey Davis that would have made it uh, 21-0. After a fumble recovery by Jeffrey Simmons, the team would score on a one-yard touchdown run from Tannehill, making it 28-7. This Titans team is playing the smartest football I can imagine. And it's nice to know that because of, you know, us as an AM podcast, we're covering a big moment for Ryan. This is fantastic for him, and it's fantastic for Lauren and his family. But the team really just reinvented themselves after that Week 5 loss. When they lost to Denver, even though Tannehill played in that game, he didn't get the loss. Mariota did. Tannehill just brought something different to this Titans team. Henry started rushing more. He started averaging more yards per carry. You got to see the emergence of a guy like A.J. Brown coming in and making plays. You got to watch a defense 
kind of slowly figure out what was the problem and where they could correct the mistake. You got to watch this offensive line protect a quarterback who was giving everything he had. This team started not just winning, they started winning convincing games. They started competing with real contenders. And down the stretch, yeah, they beat Houston at home and people are going to go, well, they didn't play any of their starters. Didn't matter. I personally think if Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and all of them would have played that game, that 211-yard game for for Derrick Henry still would have happened. The way Houston played in their two playoff games, they would have allowed 211 yards. Easily. They would have allowed 211. This Titans team is good because of their playing as a unit. They're playing small ball and they're relying on their strengths. And something that Joe Judge, the new head coach of the New York Giants said was, instead of looking at the mistakes that a player has... Look at the strengths they bring to the table. Mike Vrabel is a Bill Belichick guy. So is Joe Judge. Instead of forcing Tannehill to be out of his comfort zone and out of his element and make him the face of the offense, make him a piece of the offense and have him continue to trend upwards as the secondary option. You rely on the run game of Henry. You rely on the benefit of what this team is able to do on the ground and allow Tannehill, which he's done since his days at AM, be an intermediate passer, connect with his receivers, connect with his tight ends, drive the ball, and they may not get the touchdown every single play, but they're walking away with positive points. That is why Mike Vrabel and his team is playing Kansas City this weekend and New England's out. It's why... Even though they gave up 508 total yards of offense to one player in Lamar Jackson, who in my personal opinion, 100% cleaned up and made sure he's winning the MVP award. It's why that he's home and Tennessee's moving on. They're trying to force something that isn't there. While Tennessee is doing exactly what Mike Sherman did at the start of Tannehill's career. He realized what he had. He had a versatile player. He played him around. He realized, okay, he's probably better suited at quarterback. Let's put him behind center. He threw for, I think, 3,000 yards. I think it was 29 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He got drafted. Miami never knew how to use him, and then they got him hurt. In Tennessee... Even though I do think it is a little insane to offer someone who's past 30 a lucrative contract extension like Tannehill who doesn't have the numbers to back up that type of deal. He's been the reason why they're successful during the regular season. Maybe not the postseason, but the reason Tennessee is in the postseason is because of the former 12th man. And because of that, he's going to get paid. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Mr. Cole Thompson, and at Aggies SI. Tomorrow, we will be breaking down some news covering college football. We'll be talking a little bit about the national championship. And also, we will be discussing... 
Texas A&M as they get ready to take on LSU back home at Reed Arena. We will see you tomorrow, same time, same place. And remember, kick them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.